Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Hey, thank you to our worship team this morning. Great job in leading us in worship. Uh, Would you take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 24? So I'm going to help you out a little bit there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. It's the first, fourth book in the Old Testament, the fourth book in your Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 24. And um, so I started a sermon series a few weeks ago entitled Family 101, Start Here. And there are a lot of things that we can talk about when it comes to the family. Like we, we can talk about how to be a good husband, good wife, good parent, good teenager, good child, how to get along. God gives us all of those roles. God gives us all of those principles. God lay, lays all that down, and those are all incredibly important. However, there are some basic relationship 101 stuff that we need to get down before we even start talking about specific roles. And so what I want to do during this sermon series is we're going to deal with some of those basic inter-family relationship things that just need to get down. These are, these are basic things that need to go on in your family and my family in order for us to be the family God wants us to be. So we talked about how to communicate. How would God have us communicate? We talked about <coughs> attitude. And having a good attitude and having a Christ-like attitude. Attitude in your home makes a tremendous difference. If you missed any of those, you can podcast those uh, straight from our app. Go there and listen to those sermons. Well, today, I want to do a different topic, and I want to preach on this subject, happy, happy home. And I want to talk about the happiness and the joy that ought to be prevalent inside your home. And I'm talking about that because basically, we live in a culture that is not happy. We live in a culture that struggles with happiness. I read two things I want you to hear. A New York Times article on Yale University's most popular class ever. Now, hear that. Yale University is 316 years old, and they just taught the most popular class ever. It's called Psych 157, Psychology and the Good Life. A quarter of Yale University undergraduate undergraduate students registers for it. One-fourth of the undergraduates sign up for the class. Lori Santos, who, who teaches the class, says she tries to teach students how to live a happier, more satisfying life in the twice-weekly lectures. Now, why is that so popular at Yale University? Because in 2013, Yale reported that more than half of their undergraduates sought mental health care from the university while enrolled. More than half. One of Santos's principles is that you, you don't get happiness from the things you get in life or at college. For example, she teaches them a high grade, a prestigious internship, a good paying job, have no effect on your happiness. And here's what she says. Institutions cannot make us happy. Winning the lottery cannot make you happy. Getting a good grade does not make you happy. Well, they did another finding, Gallup survey released just recently on subjective well-being. That is their definition of happiness, subjective well-being. And here's what the Gallup survey found out. We are not happy. 
The survey of more than 2.5 million Americans examined how people feel in their day-to-day lives across key dimensions of well-being, physical health, uh, wellness, uh, supportive personal relationships around you, family relationships, financial, economic security, having a sense of purpose, connecting to your community. The overall results were this, get this, shows a nation where well-being or happiness is in sharp, sharp decline. As a matter of fact, Gallup said this, 2017 was the largest year-over-year decline in the 10-year history of measuring our happiness. So here's the deal. In general, we are less happy than we have been in a long, long time. Now, I know some of you this morning are going to Jesus juke me a little bit, and you're going to say, well, preacher, life's not about happiness. It's about joy. And look, I get that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to use the words almost interchangeably today. And I understand that happiness has to do with the happenings that are around us, and joy comes from Jesus. I get all that. I perfectly understand it. I preach it, teach it, love it, and believe it. But here's the truth. In your family, you hardly know the difference between the two words, right? In your family, happiness and joy are kind of interchangeable words. And so I want to use them kind of as interchangeable words because family 101 is this. If you want to have a happy life, you've got to have a happy I didn't say that. How many of you think that's true? You should raise both hands. Thank you very much. (laughs) The only problem is that's not a Bible verse. But is it? Stand up with me as we read Deuteronomy chapter 24. And there is this obscure verse in the Bible that almost no one's ever heard of and no one's ever read that I want to take and build a sermon on this morning. And it's Deuteronomy 24, verse 5, and I love it. Here's what it says. When a man has taken a new wife, not an old one, but a new one, apparently. (laughs) I don't know what that means. He shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. He shall be free at home. Read that with me. One year. Now notice that last phrase, and bring what? Happiness to his wife, whom he has taken. (laughs) Right? I love the wording. I fought all the other men off, and I took her. She was mine. I love that. But notice that last phrase. Take a year off and bring what? Happiness his wife. Let me preach on happy, happy home. You may be seated. So I'm going to break this verse down. It doesn't take much to break down, but let me just give you a little bit of the history behind it. So here's what, here, here are the commands of God. God is giving these commands to Israel and they are on the march. They are on the move. God is telling them how they are to conduct life. And here's what God says. For, a, for one year after the marriage, a, a, a husband would not be called to go away on military service, nor 
would be asked to leave home for public business or any public duty at all of any kind. He was exempt from tribute and taxes. He was exempt from everything related to the affairs of war. He was exempt from public offices and employment, which might take him away from home. So get in mind here, mainly in the agrarian society where they were growing their own food, here's what God is telling him. Hey, you're to take a year off, you're to stay at home, and you're to take care of your wife. Now, it's said that Alexander the Great, after the Battle of Granicia, sent home to Macedonia all of his newly married soldiers to winter there. And he did that because his master, Aristotle, had taught him to do it. And Aristotle was taught it by a Jewish man. So the thinking in Deuteronomy 24.5 is that a long absence from home could endanger a marriage. And although that's not stated here as the cause, that is obviously why God is stating it. It was, however, this year off, a God-given opportunity for the newlywed couple to settle into the new circumstances that come with marriage. The specific purpose given here that the husband would, and I love this, uh, in one translation, one old translation, it translated, trans, the Darby translation, he translates it this way, so that the husband would gladden his wife, that a husband would bring happiness to the home. So here's this obscure verse in the Old Testament that I think has some ramifications for the family today, that a newly married man could not go out to war. Get that. A newly married man could not go out to war. On a side note, all the long married men were volunteering for the front lines. That was real weird. But uh, all the newly married men... Could not, could not go out to war. So let me try to build a sermon around that verse. Let me tell you three things about a happy, happy home. Number one is this. Happiness is the expectation of your home. Happiness is the expectation of your home. I love in verse uh, number five how much God cares about your home. God is so, listen, if you have this picture of God as being some ogre who's looking to punish men, you have it all wrong. God is so tender and so loving that his expectation for your home is a home filled with joy. It's a home filled with happiness. Listen, marriage and family isn't supposed to be a drudgery. Marriage and family is not supposed to be a necessity. Marriage and family is supposed to be a joy-filled experience. Marriage and family is supposed to be a happiness experience. He told the husband to go home, and here's the way different translations translate that. Go home and gladden your wife. Go home and cheer up your wife. Go home and bring happiness to your wife. Go home and bring joy to your wife. He said to the husband, listen, your job is to go home because a home, I want your home filled with joy. God is telling the husband, I want your home filled with happiness. I mean, it's not said exactly, but God is trying to tell him a happy life is a happy wife or a happy wife is whatever it goes. I don't know which one comes first. God is saying to a husband that the expectation of your home, hey, can I say it this way? That the expectation of a Christian home is to be joy and happy. So, well, preacher, why would God be so concerned about the happiness of my home? Because here's what he knows and here's what you know and here's what I know. 
that if things are depressing at home, if things are discouraging at home, if things are stressful at home, you're going to be totally ineffective in your battle against the enemy. Like if things are not right at home, you're, you're not going to be an effective Christian. You're not going to be an effective husband, wife, teenager, parent. He wants us, listen, God wants us to have joy for the sake of joy. That's how he is. God loves us so much. He wants you to have happiness just so you can be happy. But the truth is, he created the home for happiness. And if you're miserable at home, you're going to have a really difficult time in other areas of your life, right? Can I get a say amen right there, right? You agree with that? If things aren't going right at home, Listen, if there's no happiness in your marriage, if husband and wife are miserable, how hard is it to come sing joy to the Lord when you're at church? Right? If, if there is constant family tension, how hard is it to do what the psalmist says? Serve the Lord with gladness. Like you can't do that if your home is filled with anxiety and tension and unhappiness. If you dread interacting with your family, how are you going to encourage the body of Christ? So, so grab this truth this morning. The expectation of your home is that it be happy. God has designed it to be so. God expects it to be so. And you in the kingdom of God need it to be so. The happiness of your home is going to be the engine that drives everything you are able to do for the kingdom of God. Several of you told me you missed me Sunday. I appreciate that. I, I got to watch a little bit of it online uh, uh, while I was away. But my wife and I spent a week and uh, we went to San Antonio. I was there for work. So we took a few days and... Uh, we went to San Antonio and Austin and, and, and Waco, and, and she got to go see Magnolia, if you know what that is. And uh, uh, I took her, and uh, it, was, it was a thing, and, but we did it, and we checked off the list, and we, we, we got it because I care less. But anyway, we saw it, and it was great. But we started off the week, and uh, I went and rented a car. Now, I do, if those of you that travel a lot for a living, you, you understand this. I'm Hertz, and I only rent Hertz if at all possible. Usually about once a year I'll have to do something else. But I do Hertz because when I pull up at Hertz, uh, my name's on a sign. I am five-star, gold, whatever you call it at Hertz. I'm, I'm all the way up there. And so when I get out, my name's on a sign, and it just says, go pick whatever car you want. Well, I'm, I'm a Southern Baptist. I can't tell you how many times they've offered me a Cadillac and I've had to be like, no, can't do that. I can't roll up to the Baptist church in a Cadillac. It makes us all look bad. <laughs> and it's no more money, but I just can't do it. So I usually get a Camry or an Avalon is what I get. It's a good car. And I pulled up on the lot at San Antonio and uh, it said, get whatever car you want. And I've never, never seen one of these before. But there was a brand new Chrysler 300 with less than 500 miles on it. That is a sweet ride of a car. So I said, hey, let's get this. We're going to be here for a week. Let's grab this car. We're going to drive hours and hours. Let's grab that car. She goes, it's not one you're going to get. I said, I know, but let's just get it. And we'll, it's the same price. And I threw my bags in there. We went and did our work that night. Man, worked all day. Went, went out to eat late that night with some friends and uh, um, on the way back, we're headed back. We're about 15 miles from the hotel, and we're headed, headed back at night. And uh, I got on the five-lane highway. 
And that beautiful Chrysler 300 just died. I don't mean it sputtered. I don't mean it, I mean it just went, thank you very much, I'm out. (laughs) I happened to be going down a hill, which gave me enough coast to get over kind of in this small turning lane that was over there. I stood on the side of the road arguing with Hertz for probably over an hour. They wanted me to wait on this dangerous five-lane highway while a tow truck came to pick me up that was going to be another hour and then me ride with the tow truck to the airport. And by the way, here's a picture of me sitting over there, me and a friend Scott. We're standing on the side of the road. Some, a friend has got a pickup truck and they're there trying to pick us up on the side of the road. And we're, I'm arguing with Hertz. He has, he has um, uh, roadside assistance on one line. I got Hertz on another line. And we're both pretty much, and Scott's a real calm guy, we're both pretty much at the top of our lungs trying to explain. And we finally abandoned the car. I said, I'm leaving it here. And I, we threw the keys. They told us, throw the keys in, in the floorboard. And we threw the keys in the floorboard. And I got a ride and got another car. Here's what I want to tell you. When you're stuck on the side of the road when the car has quit working, I don't care about the weather. I don't care about the restaurant. I don't care about all the normal things you would care about in life. When the car has stopped and I'm on the side of the road, I've got one thing on my mind. Do you know what it is? Strangling, no, I mean getting another car. Because when you're stranded, it's all you can think about. And can I tell you, when your family is stranded on the highway of depression, when your family is stranded on the highway of discouragement, when your family is stranded on the highway of anxiety, you are not going to be able to focus on anything else. When your family life isn't happy, I'm just telling you, you are opening yourself up to the enemy. Can you look this way? Look at me. Husband, when you're not happy, you're opening yourself up to the enemy. Wives, when you're not happy, you're opening yourself up to the enemy. When the children are discouraged, there's a better chance of them being wayward in life. Listen, joy is the expectation of your home for so many reasons. But ask yourself right now, how happy is my home? So I want you to take just a moment in your mind's eye. Take a moment and I want you to, in your mind, you can close your eyes for a half second. Don't go to sleep, but close your mind, eyes for a half second. And I want you to put a happiness gauge in the living room of your home. Right now, in your mind's eye, just slap a happiness gauge on the living room of your home. It goes to 1 to 10. 1 is full of stress and anxiety. 10 is happy in Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Where's your happiness gauge, your happiness meter in your home? What number would you put yours at? Our homes are supposed to be a model for a lost world. Now get this, that doesn't mean there aren't going to be issues. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be problems. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be discouraging things going on. But the normal routine of life, joy, happiness, is the expectation of a home. Let me tell you the second thing this verse tells us. Number two, it tells us that happiness will not happen by accident. That happiness will not happen by accident. 
Why do you say that? Well, because sometimes, hey, ladies look this way. Sometimes we get this Disney mentality. That getting married and starting a family, that happiness is automatic, right? We're going to live off love, right? And so we kind of view ourselves as, as Pocahontas, you know, and everything's going to work out great. I'm trying to think of a Disney movie now, but uh, we're, you, you know, uh, yeah, it is more like the Jungle Book than it is. Uh, uh, uh. But see, God knew that happiness was not going to happen by accident. God knew better than that. So here's what he said. A newly married man needed to take a year off from all extracurricular activities in order to learn how to live and have a happy home. Here's what God said to the man. God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a year off and I want you to go home and figure out women. And then I want you to come back and tell me what you learned because I'm trying to as well. But he said, I I want you to take a year off and figure out how to have a happy wife. Now, here's what that says to us. You're not going to be happy on accident. Hey, can I say this to you? The new will wear off. Do not say amen right here, okay? The new will wear off. The shiny will wear off. The thrill will wear off. Just because you have a home doesn't mean it's automatically going to be a happy one. I told you before, I, I got a treadmill at home. I have got a brand new pair of running shoes. I have got a brand new pair of Nike running shorts. And my kids all the time buy me like Nike Nike running shirts and all that stuff. But that doesn't mean I'm in good shape just because I have it. I mean, obviously I am, but it doesn't mean it's... Family 101 is that a happy family is not going to happen by accident. Just because you have a family doesn't mean it's all going to be roses and sunshine. Listen, you, I know this is a shot to some of you, you will argue and fight sometimes. Bills will come to you. Somebody will get sick. Somebody's going to lose a job. You know, ladies, I mean, some of you know this, but... He's going to start burping a whole lot more after marriage. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's, he's just, he's going to have noises coming at him. He didn't have coming at him while he was dating you. And you're going to be like, well, wait a minute. Well, that's okay because men, she's not going to wear her makeup, makeup to bed at night either. Well, if you haven't figured it already, she's going to come out of the bathroom one, one night and you're going to be like, now wait, who are you? Why are you here? You have kids, the kids' diapers eventually will smell bad in a, in a powerful way. Happiness doesn't just happen. There has to be an intentionality in the home. And here's what you've got to do. You've got to choose to be happy. You've got to be happy on purpose. You've got to bring joy in your home. That, that verse tells me a third thing. Number two just leads into number three. That number three, happiness is hard work. The husband had to take a year off from all activities. You have one job in the next 12 months. You know what that is? Figure out how to make your home a happy home. I know some of the guys are probably thinking, well, why does it take a year? Why can't I do anything else during this year? 
And here's what God was trying to explain to a newly married couple that carries over for the rest of life. Because creating a happy family is going to be hard work. You want a happy family? Sure you do. Then get prepared to work for it. God had the husband spend a year working and figuring it out. And listen, you're going to have to put some time, energy, and effort. I know you think you know each other when you're dating. But trust me, when you get married, life is going to change. I know you think you've got life figured out and then you're going to get a dog and that's going to upset your life totally. And I know right when you think you've got a handle on that, you're going to have kids and then everything is turned on its head. And then you're going to think you got the kids whipped. Not figured, not literally, but figured. You got the kids whipped. And you know what? They're going to become teenagers. Can I, can I give you some advice? Wait to write your parenting books and preach your parenting sermons till much later on. And every step along that journey, you're going to have to fight for your family's happiness. Why? Listen. Because the enemy is fighting against it. Summer's finally here. This past week, I... Probably almost a year ago, I bought two of those Nest thermostats, you know, the digital kind. We have them here at the church that you can control with the app on your phone. I couldn't figure out how to put them in. So this week, Daniel and Eddie came over and they helped me install the two Nest thermostats in, in our house. And it's got me now. I can control the air conditioner. So I'm one up on my wife now. I let her go to the wall and do what she want to do. And I just pull out my phone and do what I want to do with it. Do you know why you have to have an air conditioner in the summer and heat in the winter? Because there are forces outside your home trying to make inside your home uncomfortable. I mean, we live in Georgia, and there are a few days a year where you can turn it all off, open the windows, and everything will be fine. But not now. You know why you have to set the thermostat on 70 on your air conditioner? Because there are forces that are 95 degrees outside trying to make your home hot. You know why in the winter you got to set it on 70? Because there are forces outside your home, 45 degrees, trying to make it cold. And you're having to always adjust that thermostat to fight what the outside is trying to do. Can I tell you this? The enemy outside is trying to mess up your home inside. And it's going to take hard work to have a happy home. Hey, just like that AC, you know what? Some days will be great. Some days are going to be hot. And some days are going to be cold. Family life is not like it is at the movies. Family life is not like a harlequin romance. You're going to have to fight for it. And happiness is going to be hard work. So normally I finish the sermon right there. But let me give you this. Take out a sheet of paper. Make sure you've got something to write with. Can I give you five ways to have a better chance at a happy home? I want to give you just some common sense, biblical practices. And literally everything I'm going to tell you is backed up by science. But I'm I'm going to give you some Bible verses to go with them. Five ways to have a better chance at a happy home. Number one is this. Center your life around Christ. 
See, that will keep your home from being totally dependent on your circumstances. Not only that, hey, look this way. When I say center your home around Christ, I'm telling you, follow the teachings of the Word of God. If you want a happy home, you have a much better chance of success if you do what this Bible says do. Why? Listen to this verse, John 15, verse 11. These things have I spoken to you, Jesus said, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. One of the greatest verses in the Bible. Jesus said, everything I've given you in the word of God is so that I can put the joy of Jesus in you and that your joy can be full and overflowing. If you want a happy home, build it around the word of God in Jesus Christ. Number two, you want a happy home? Try to make others happy instead of them making you happy. So here becomes the rub when people first get married. And some of you that have been married a long time, you know what I'm talking about. And you say, man, here, here's the problem. We tend to get married hoping that the other person will make us happy. When actuality, the Bible would say you are getting married and so you can choose to make them happy. And it's a totally different mindset. Hey, if you don't want to spend the rest of your life trying to make him happy or trying to make her happy, then you might not want to get married. If you're already married too late, sorry. Should have thought of that before you said I do. You're hooked now. So here's what the Bible said. By the way, tons of research says you're happier when you're giving. And Philippians 2.4 says this, everyone should look not out only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Number three, you want to have, have a better chance at a happy home. Eat together as a family whenever you can. Eat together as a family. Listen, a recent wave of research shows that children, now hear me on this, children who eat dinner with their families are less likely to, now listen, I need you to pay attention. Children who eat dinner with their families are less likely to drink, smoke, do drugs, get pregnant, commit suicide, and develop eating disorders. Additional research found that children who enjoy meals have, and this has nothing to do with the Bible, but I find it interesting, have larger vocabularies, better manners, healthier diets, and higher self-esteem. The most comprehensive survey done on the topic, University of Michigan report, examined how children spent their time between 1981 and 1997. And I quote, discovered that the amount of time children spent eating meals at home was the single biggest predictor of better academic achievement and fewer behavioral problems. Jewish society was built around meals. So it's huge biblical precedent. Number four, you want to have a happier home? Chill. C-H-I-L-L. Stress is bad. Learn to relax. Everything's not the end of the world. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing. Get the anxiety out of your home. Everything by prayer and supplication. Take it to Jesus. Do not be dramatized. Hey, can I say this? Quit acting like your six-year-old ball game matters. Quit, quit acting like the six-year-old dance recital matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Your kid's not going to the Olympics in all probability. Just chill. Right? I know some of you that's hard to hear, but it's just rare. Some of you it will happen. It's rare. It's rare. So just relax. Enjoy it. Take the anxiety out of your home. Number five, get plugged into church. Be faithful and involved at church. Tons of research shows religious families are happier. One reason they've discovered is this. 
A community of 10 supportive friends makes families happier. As a matter of fact, research says 10 is the number. If you have that many, you'll be happier. Religious people are happier because they feel connected to a community of like-minded people. Can I tell you this? God designed it to be so. It's not a comprehensive list. It's just a place to get started. How happy are is your family? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that is the absolute place to start. Because the fact is, a lot of stuff a pastor preaches is, is difficult because you don't have the Spirit of God living in your heart. Because uh, when you receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God comes and takes up residence inside you and empowers you to live the Christian life. And it empowers you to be the kind of father you need to be, mom, husband, and wife you need to be, <coughs> teenager you need to be. All that happens. You can't do all that without the Spirit of God living in you. And the place to start is knowing Christ is in your life and heaven is your home. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you'd like to, you, you can pray a prayer with me just now. It's not the words you say, but it's the intent of your heart, which is to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can pray a prayer like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I can't save myself, but I know Christ died on the cross so I could be saved. And just now I invite Christ into my life to forgive me of my sins, to give me a home in heaven, and I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Listen, while our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.